Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business of Design. I am so glad you're here. I'm Kimberly Selden. I am an interior design professional just like you. I have real clients. I have real budgets. I have real challenges because the work we do is so difficult. And one of the great joys in my life is this community of peers we call Business of Design and the opportunity it brings me to speak to experts who can help me further the goals in my business. One of those experts, Tim Williams, is an amazing resource. I've been reading his blog recently, Ignition, ignitiongroup.com, and one of his posts prompted me to reach out. It had to do with the fact that if you could design a brilliant logo in five minutes, would that be worth more money to clients or less money than the logo that took six weeks to design. And when I think about that in terms of my interior design practice, hmm, I really understand why he favors the value-based fees. Of course, I did share in episode 133 where we had the first part of this conversation that the whole thing kind of breaks down for me when you get to the project management phase because in my mind, the work I do there is equally important and has equal value. And it takes a long time. There is no shortcut. There is no cutting corners. It's all about herding cats. You've got suppliers, trades, clients, retailers, all these people that you need to keep in line and a whole bunch of variables that make it nearly impossible to give a flat fee based on an initial meeting with clients. Business of Design has a strategy for flat fee billing, which I use, which is 100% effective and allows me to get paid for a value-based fee, exactly what I would get paid if I were charging by the hour. If you missed part one in episode 133, definitely go back and listen. I'm confident you're going to enjoy this second part of the conversation as well. And one of the things that occurs during this conversation is Tim has me realize I have to come to grips with the general practitioner inside of me. What do I mean by that? Well, let me ask you a question. Who makes more money, a specialist or a general practitioner? It's easy, right? We go, oh, obviously the specialist is going to make more money and they're going to have more authority and they may even have more job satisfaction because people will come from around the world to meet with a specialist. If I'm honest about where I positioned myself when I started as a young interior designer, 100% I was the general practitioner. More and more I'm trying to become the specialist and what I realize is The only thing holding me back from being a specialist is me. So you'll hear more about how I'm narrowing my focus in the weeks ahead. Let me tell you about Tim. He is a career marketing professional, and his mission is to help professional service firms escape the tyranny of an unfocused business model. Tim says if you don't know what your business stands for, you can't possibly move it strategically along the path you want it to go. 
Tim speaks all over the world. He's been interviewed by all kinds of news organizations, including The Economist, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Bloomberg News, The Guardian, The Toronto Globe and Mail, etc. I shared in the first part of this conversation that I just finished reading Positioning for Professionals, and I found it really interesting. A lot of food for thought in there for me. For example, if I stand for everything that I'm going to stand for nothing, there's no such thing as full service. Yikes. That's a term I've used. I can cop to that. And that differentiation is really your path to success, the true success, not just having a job, but having a career that thrives and is satisfying, deeply soul satisfying. Oh, and profitable. Let's don't be apologetic about being profitable. In two short conversations, I have not had every single one of my questions answered, and Tim is on holidays right now, but I will be reaching out to further the conversation, and you guys mean everything to us. So thank you so much for being here. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? I'm good. A little bit tired after the weekend. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have never seen that many people in the point at High Point. That was one hack of a birthday party. And thank you so much to everyone who came out to show your love and support of Business of Design. Wow. We were just overwhelmed, really, I guess is the best word. It was so much fun and it was so nice to finally meet so many of our members in person and so many uh, brand new to business of design. It was really great. It was a nice mix, right? Some people that we've known, like we really know them now. We've known them a long time. I know about their businesses. I know what's working for them and I know what their challenges are. That's kind of amazing to think that we have that community out there. And then, as you say, all these new people are like, what is this? What are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and a lot of it was members bringing um, bringing guests that were new to, to business of design, whether they're new to the business or uh, just uh, new to our community. Uh, but it was great. It was so much fun. And speaking of so much fun, I am now fully turning my attention to the conference. And uh, I feel like I have all these little secrets. I know some of the guests who are going to be speaking And I am beginning the vetting process where we work together on what they will be teaching so that I make sure before they get up on that stage, they have actionable advice rather than a sales pitch. Gosh, I hate that when I go to a conference. Yeah, me too. And we're so excited um, that Isoon is going to be speaking. You've heard her on the podcast, some of our favorite episodes, and um most people have not seen her speak live yet. Oh, she is quite a treat. And Cheryl, this is going to be sad news for you and me because I do feel a certain amount of love coming from the business of design community. And I know you do too, <laughs> but they're going to just shove us aside for I assume because she is totally. That's, totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you will no longer want Cheryl and I to do anything. So I soon is coming out. Many people have already taken her business of design sales training course where she teaches you the exact questions to ask when your phone rings. And that's been popular for many, many years. But this time we're asking her to put on one of her other hats, two of her other hats, actually. She has been our HR provider at Kimberly Selden Design Group for the past 15 plus years. And she also books all of my media and speaking events. So she'll be sharing behind the scenes systems and protocols for both of those strategies for how to hire, how to fire, 
performance reviews, specific strategies. You'll actually leave with the documentation you need to set these things up in your office. And following the conference, because we know you guys will want to do these implementations, we'll also send you the handouts in a Word document so you can add your own logo and make any changes you needed and you will be ready on Monday or Tuesday to implement and roll out these new strategies and systems. So this really isn't going to be one of those conferences where you go and just mingle around and have bad chicken and talk to you know people who seem like fun. That's not what this is going to be like. And if you haven't already registered, uh, space is limited. It's coming up January 25th and 26th. It's only $13.95 and it's happening at Las Vegas Market. And I do get a lot of questions about where exactly it is. It is right inside Las Vegas Market. So you'll have access to um, all of the hotels through Las Vegas Market. You can stay anywhere in the area, um, but we're going to be right on, uh, right on site there. It's a very convenient location that was important to us. That's where the learning will happen and there will be two full days of learning followed by an amazing cocktail party hosted by our friends at Build Lane. And in addition, of course, those of you who've never been to market and want to know how to use it will help you get oriented and answer your questions. And just because people have been curious and asking me, Team BOD will be staying at the Wynn Hotel right on the Strip and conveniently close to Las Vegas Convention Center. But you really could stay anywhere you like. Perfect. So again, January 25th and 26th, only $13.95. And all the details are on the website. So head to businessofdesign.com. It's so funny because $1,395 is a pittance for even one of the systems we're going to be sharing. And I remember when I hired my first business coach, it was a lot more than $1,395 a month and she didn't have the answers. She just provided me with motivation and kept pushing me to find the answers. So this is going to be different than that. We are going to tell you exactly how we do many of the procedures and protocols which keep my business running smoothly. Looking forward to spending this important time together working on our businesses. And I, for one, am going to make 2020 the very best year I've ever had in my business. Space is limited. Uh, register today. And as a little teaser, by the way, guess who's coming on the podcast next week, Cheryl? Who? I soon cook. Yay, she's back. Back by popular demand. That's right. Yes. Looking forward to that. Thanks, Cheryl. Take care. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
This episode of your favorite podcast, Business of Design, is brought to you by our friends at Build Lane. Build Lane is an extraordinary app that allows you, the hardworking professional designer, to order custom furniture from the comfort of your office. Yes, you may have heard me speak about Build Lane before. It really is an amazing app that is so easy to use. And I have found that skipping those visits to the factory or the manufacturer is a dream. I love working with BuildLane because they don't allow me to miss those important design details. The lead times are short, and I can increase profitability through greater profit margins. Things that are important to me in my business, and I know are also important to you in your business. Right now, if you get yourself a free account at BuildLane, you will be automatically eligible to get $250 off your first order. What are you waiting for? Go to businessofdesign.com and click on the Build Lane ad. Or buildlane.com backslash B-O-D. You will be glad you did. And thank you, Build Lane, for your continued support of Business of Design and this incredible community. And now, back to the show. Let's rejoin the conversation now. I want to ask you about something that was in the book that I still haven't quite wrapped my head around, which has to do with effectiveness versus efficiency. And I always thought efficiency was such a good thing because in our business, nothing is linear. There's no linear progress. It seems to be two steps forward and one step back. And that's one of the things that makes clients a little crazy about renovating. So I worked really hard to create systems that allowed us to be more efficient, but also more effective. But you have kind of a different feeling about those two words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's an in- interesting debate uh, that that we can have among ourselves about it. I mean, there's a the, the hard uh, hardcore argument is that the, the two are mutually exclusive. That uh, you can have one or the other, but but they go in in different and opposite directions. Um, we do want it internal efficiency in the sense that we want good systems, uh, we want a good process. We don't want to spin our wheels trying to trying to uh, do the project management part of our work. That that should be systematized, and if if you want to call it efficient, yes, for sure. It's just that that's not what your clients buy. Um, they buy effectiveness. They they buy a solution to a problem. They're not buying your efficiency. They're buying your effectiveness. So we want to stay focused on on the fact that the and and that takes us back to one of the problems with the with the billable hour because if if you're able to do because of your many years in the business and your the expertise that you developed and cultivated over the years, you're able to to walk in and solve a problem in five minutes that would take a, a much less experienced designer five days. Mm-hmm. Should you bill your client for those five minutes? I don't think so. Right. Uh, there, there's a, there's a great apocryphal story about Pablo Picasso on a, a sidewalk at a cafe and a woman walks by and sees it's the famous Picasso and stops and says, Oh, Mr. Picasso, I've just loved your work all these years. And here you are just drinking a cup of coffee by yourself. Uh, I happen to have a, a piece of paper and a pencil. Would you, how would you feel about just a quick sketch? So he accommodates her, takes the paper, 
30 seconds later, he hand her, hands her a, a, a quick Picasso-esque type of sketch portrait. And uh, he says that will be uh, 20 million francs. And the woman says, it only took you 30 seconds. And he says, no, madam, it took me a lifetime. Right. I do understand that's a, that's that. Yeah. A, right. And that's a good way to think about what you do. And it's and that's why we want to stay focused on this idea that what you sell is expertise and effectiveness. And it has nothing to do with how long it takes. Nothing to do. Internally, we want to do things as quickly as we can. But that should benefit us. Like mm -hmm. if you can solve a problem in five minutes and the value to your client is $50,000, fantastic. Who should benefit from that? You, the person that's invested in all these many years of expertise through the School of Hard Knocks, not your client. Your client is happy to pay the 50000 because they've got a beautiful new home. Um, and, and so we've got to unhook those two, those two thoughts to get our pricing right. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I guess I still go back to where it falls apart is never the design or the ideation phase where you're working in a controlled environment. You have your you have a handle on everything that's happening. But once you introduce the trades and you've got a contractor, a plumber, electrician, a tile layer, a floor restainer, the drapery maker, the the person you're buying the furniture from, now you have 50 different companies, 50 different human beings, and you have to corral all those people and get them to do what you need them to do in a reasonable amount of time. And th that's, I'm good at that, but I can't necessarily control how much time it's going to take me always to do it. Sure. And I, I would, I would say those are two different skill sets, aren't they? Yeah, they really um, are. Yeah. They're in, and, and and there's a corollary for this in all professional service work, and it I, I I'll explain it in terms of um, magic and logic. So we're we're we are in two different businesses. Um, this directly applies to you. So the magic business is the ideation, the creativity, the problem solving, the design that uh, is probably what you enjoy most, and what most designers would enjoy most. The, the, but you're also in the logic business, which is the the implementation and the project management and the oversight and the scheduling and thing you know work that must must be done well must be done uh, as error free as possible. But but it's it's a different skill set. And in the, there, there's a phenomenon. Uh, there's a word for this. It's called. Um, well, it's disintermediation broadly where professional firms are being disintermediated into these two different classes of work, mm -hmm. not called magic and logic. That's kind of my term, but but let's call it ideation and implementation. Um, it's happening um, and clients uh, in, some com in some industries call it decoupling where they're physically decoupling the ideation from the implementation. They're saying, I'm going to hire the very best talent to do the ideation piece but I'm going to hire somebody different to do the implementation because it's two different skill sets. And it requires two different pricing structures because most of what I've been talking about applies to the magic part of what you do. Right. The, the, I, I would, I would say that on the implementation piece, the project management piece um, there, it makes 
more it would make more sense to bill by the hour, but more sense still to to bill to to um, implement unit based pricing, unit based pricing. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, a, an accounting firm would say we're going to charge you a a fixed fee, probably a premium price to do your tax strategy. Right. So that's magic. We're going to charge you a fixed unit price to do your tax return. So there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Right. The tax return is is predictable, kind of widely available. Lots of different people can do a tax return. Not a lot of people can do a brilliant tax strategy. So the what what a lot of firms are doing is applying the creative value-based pricing to the magic piece and, and applying a much simpler unit-based pricing structure to the implementation piece. So you've got in effect two different pricing approaches. And, and when you quote, when you quote uh, a price for your work that you, you deliberately unbundle those two things. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, this is probably true in, in every other field where creativity is involved, when you unbundle those two things, the client has the option to just use you for the first part, the ideation or the magic yep. phase, right? But if they yes. don't use you for the second part, your magic is ruined. <laughs> like so many well, times we've just done the design and then turned it over to a client who wanted to do the project management. And invariably we get a call and the whole thing is really gone to hell in a handbasket. And you're like, why didn't you just follow the exact plan where did you (laughs) why did you turn left when it says to go right sure yeah that's right and and that that there are plenty of professionals who feel that way that you know god is in the details and in the execution so we've got to control it all from start to finish uh the, the the remedy there is to the extent you can to build in some kind of an oversight factor where your client may hire someone else to do the implementation but that but you but they they're going to retain your services for some form of oversight or approval but yeah that's that's a constant struggle uh in the disintermediated world i mean lots of in in law it's the the danger is the the client does it in house i mean the the company takes they they say okay thanks for figuring out how we should proceed on this matter now we'll we'll take it from here and they may or may not execute it the way a law the law firm would have but you can't i mean ultimately you, you can't control that um and the uh, this this um trend toward disintermediation of these two different classes of work is getting is is more more and more pronounced every single year it's one of the big mega trends in in our business um and uh, artificial intelligence and some other things play into that too. Of course, right. And it must be true for marketing, for advertising. It's definitely true for interior designers. Everybody's a designer. Everybody's a decorator. Oh, Everybody knows sure, branding, right? Yeah, of I, course. Yeah. I have a girlfriend who's a fine artist, and she sent me her invitation materials to an event she's having, an exhibition she's having. She asked me to help her come up with the marketing strategy. And I'm like, I don't... I don't know how to do that, you know, but she sees me as being someone creative. So I must know how to do that too. Right. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's right. And and yeah, technology has fueled that. You assume if you have a Mac and the Adobe suite of software, you can, you're a master designer, but. Oh, right. 
Okay, speaking of master designer, this is another section of the book. And again, the book is Positioning for Professionals, How Professional Knowledge Firms Can Differentiate Their Way to Success. It was such a good read for me in terms of thinking about how I make myself unique and how I stand out from the crowd in terms of um, uh, where my clients see me and how they interpret my brand, et cetera. One of the things you said in the book is that full service is a myth or it's ridiculous or nobody does full service. Cause I, if you, I probably could make a million dollars if I said, you give me a dollar for every interior design firm who has the word <laughs> full service on the first page of, of their course. website. Right. I, I have course, it and yes. I'm embarrassed. So I'm copying to it. Tell me why, what's wrong with that? Well, uh, I mean, you're not alone. Every law firm, every ad agency, every consultancy, you know, we're a full service law firm. Well, what does that exactly mean as opposed to half service or partial service? Right. I mean, it, f- first of all, it, it's a word that's completely meaningless. It, it's like quality or leadership. I mean, it, it's so overused, it doesn't mean anything. And if you, if you mean it literally, like, no, we really offer every single possible service you could ever want. That's just simply a, a, an unbelievable overstatement. Like, really? <laughs> you're, a, you're, a fir- you're a firm of, of 13 people and you do everything that, a, that this the, a design firm could possibly do? I mean, it's just not it, – it's, it's not credible – if you take it literally and it's meaningless if you take it figuratively. So it's just a, you know, save your, save the space on the, the valuable homepage of your website and you use it more, use it to, to, to use language. I mean, devote it to language that's more meaningful. Um, the, 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 you know, we, and it plays into, and these are maybe questions you're about to ask me about positioning strategy, but it just plays into our human nature, which is to, to, to feel like, well, I want to be, I want to keep my business strategy as open as possible. I want to keep as many doors open as possible because that's going to permit more opportunities. If I, if I say I do everything for everybody, then that means I'm going to generate more opportunity because I'm not going to turn anybody away. I'm not going to turn anybody off. So that's, that's a normal human tendency. It's just that it's completely wrong and backwards when it comes to what is truly an effective business strategy. I, I hear you and it makes so much sense when you explain it, but when you think about removing services, right? Because a lot of designers will say, well, I do high-end residential, but I also do e-design, which is not high-end. And I also do commercial spaces, which is not residential. And I also do, you know, hospitality, restaurants. Mm-hmm. So when you when you stand for all of those things you say in the book, then you stand for nothing. So is there some way that we can figure out what we need to let go of? Yes, that that's the, again, it's counterintuitive because we feel like we, we want to appeal to lots of different clients, but by standing for everything, you stand for nothing. I mean, you, it just stands to reason that you can be expert in something, but you can't be expert in everything. And let's just remember what clients buy from us is not versatility. It's expertise. They don't care about a wide range of services or a wide range of industries. What do they care about? Experience in their industry. 
So it actually works against us when we go out of our way to say, well, we've served a wide variety of clients in a wide variety of sectors. And well, that's actually a turnoff to the sophisticated kind of client that you really want, because they look at that and say, hmm, that's kind of a jack of all trades. What I'm looking for is best in class. So best in class in um, uh, healthcare or or schools or residential or I don't however you would carve up your business in terms of market sectors. Um, they're, they're the sophisticated clients, the ones with the money and the budgets that that most professionals want are looking for what they would call um, a best in class. So the question for, for for your firm is in which areas can you be best in class? Um, I in in positioning work we do in the early phases um, will kind of explain it this way. Look, you can make a decision to be a local market generalist, in which case you can do kind of, you can execute a, a jack of all trades strategy. That's the, ver- that's the, like the country doctor. So you got one doctor in town, it's a small town. They can set broken bones and take out your tonsils. They can do a little bit of everything. And help your horse when he's sick. They, <laughs> and help your horse, but, but they're going only going to draw their their patient base from their from their zip code right no, nobody outside of their community is ever going to come to that country doctor why would they need to they've got their own country doctor in their own community so so that's a choice you can do that if you want or you can choose to be a national specialist uh, in which case you would draw you can draw your clients from all over the country no one would ever uh, get on a plane to go see a general practitioner, but they would get on a plane to see a neurosurgeon. Right. So which, which is it you you want to be? Do you want to be a general practitioner or do you want to be a neurosurgeon? They're both, they're different cho- choices and they're different strategies. And they're, it's not that one is better than the other. I know a lot of people who hate to travel, love to, to be part of their local community and they're fine being a, a generalist and but they'll, they'll never be written up in the trades. They'll never be famous. They'll probably, there's a limit to, to what they can do in terms of professional satisfaction. If you want to be, if you want to be somebody that's truly best in class, then you have to decide what you stand for. And you can have, you can be based anywhere in the world and you can draw your clients from thousands of miles away because they want you're offering something scarce and hard to find. And they, so they want to, they want to work with you. This is helping me so much off track with your question. No, not at all. This is helping me pull the trigger on something I've been thinking about for a while, which is we have clients in Toronto, we have clients in Los Angeles, and then we have clients in a small rural community outside of Toronto where we have a country house. And more and more I find Mm. I love the clients in the small rural community. It's niche. Uh, mm-hmm. I can charge a premium mm-hmm. for the work that I do because it's hard to get your hands on trades and suppliers, etc. And so I really have been thinking lately, mm. it might be time to narrow the focus, but I've frankly, I've been a little bit nervous. What are my city clients going to say? What, what if they don't love me anymore? What if they don't call me? What mm. if I never work again? Mm. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to have to trust that you know what you're talking about, Tim. Well, it, yeah. So, so as proof of concept, just consider that some of the, the the problem we have in our in our heads is that we equate narrow and small as being the same thing. Uh, like if I if I'm narrow, that's gonna that means I'm gonna 
have a smaller business, but it's the opposite is true. I mean, Starbucks is coffee essentially. And, you know, with a few other things, but it's a coffee company. So it's like right. one thing that's pretty narrow and they're on every street corner on, on the planet. Um, whereas uh, imagine the Starbucks strategy was to serve, to be a quote unquote, full service uh, food and beverage provider. Do you think they'd be as nearly as successful? No. Right. They're, yeah. they're, the, they're the best coffee in the world and they're happy with that. So are there tips for those people listening who are thinking, I know that I'm promising to do too many things because I, I want more customers. I don't have enough business. I'm afraid the economy is going to turn down. I'm afraid to cut anybody out. What are the questions we can ask ourselves to begin to eliminate those jobs or tasks that just aren't working for us anymore? Yeah, well, it's it's a matter of just engaging in some introspection with your partners or or colleagues or uh, other people that whose opinion you trust. Just get get together in an offsite environment and think through these four essential questions. We call them who, what, way. And why? Now, I've labeled them slightly differently in positioning for professionals. Those four things all start with C in the book. It's competencies and uh, customer and so so forth. But I think the W's are more uh, memorable. So the who question is what what market segment, what type of customer can we serve most effectively, knowing that we can't serve every kind of customer? So are they, are they urban? Are they rural? Are they commercial? Are they residential? What, what, what type of customer do we have the best experience with and would represent our ideal client? And so that's a matter of thinking through market segments, industry segments, different ways you can slice up the, the interior design market and saying, this is our target. The second question of what is deciding what competencies you're going to you're going to feature. So you can't be good at everything, but you can be good at something. What are those things where you're outstanding at these seven things, but you don't try and do literally everything? There's a place where you draw the line and say, no, actually, we don't do that. But but there are other people who do it well and we can refer you. But we, we do these things. Uh, in a world-class way. The, the third question we call way, which is uh, in what way do you provide your services and serve your clients? In other words, what, what's your approach and your methodology and your philosophy? And you know, professional firms tend to have, the best of them have pretty strong philosophies about how they approach business. And so to articulate that and make it part of what differentiates you as a firm is, is really useful. And then the last uh, is the most difficult of, of the four, which is why. And this is the question, this goes deep to the question of purpose. And, um, you know, there are lots of good books written about this. I, I've got a, a chapter or two in my book, but books like Start With Why and um, um, Standing for for, for um, starting with purpose and lots of good books, but, but it's this idea of why are you in business in the first place? I mean, besides making money, that's, it's obvious that we're trying to make a living, but what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, why did you choose 
this business. And so stating that and articulating that um, is part of your business strategy. But don't start there in, unless you already know the answer, because that's a pretty that's that's pretty difficult to start. So the answer to those at the intersection of the answers to those four questions is your business strategy. And as part of that process, you have there's a lot more subtraction than, than addition. It's easy to keep adding and adding and saying, well, yeah, we could also do this. And, yeah, we could offer this. You just have to stop that natural impulse and say, hmm, wait a minute. Let's be more disciplined. Where can we build a reputation and be known for something? Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you so much. I feel like I've, I've just expanded my brain um, listening to you and reading the book. And thank you for writing the book in such a way that I could read it and understand it and apply it, apply the principles. That matters a lot, too. Well, thank you. No, I appreciate it. You've asked some good questions. Oh, man, I have a lot more, but we do like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. It's just something you think is really critically important to the small business owner, something they should always think about. Uh, well, I, I would say that the, the I probably hit on this in various ways, but the just to stay focused on the idea that you're not selling nor are your customers buying your costs. That's your business. Um, and the, the, the idea that what you're really selling is expertise and solutions, not services, you're selling solutions, uh, will keep you focused on a business model. That's going to help you capture the tremendous value that you create for your clients. I love that. And we all are going to have homework to do. You can buy the book on your website, which is, uh, ignitiongroup.com or on Amazon. And we will also have a link to the book and to Tim's website at businessofdesign.com. So if you forget, go there and you can link to it. Tim, thank you so much for everything you shared with us and the lessons you provided. And I'm going to come back to you. I have more questions about the value stuff. I still have more. I know I'm going to trip you up. I know I can can make you agree that we're unique in some way. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's not that hard to trip me up, but uh, no, I, I appreciate all your questions. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today 